Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 92, and today we are talking about books released on January 31st, 2017, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hi. I'm, you know, feeling like slightly extra productive since we're recording this show a few days in advance, but that's all going to come tumbling down soon, I'm sure. I know. I keep forgetting. I'm like, oh, I have to do the podcast on Monday. No, I don't. No. Yes. I'll be reading books. I'll be skiing down a mountain or equally likely curled up next to a fireplace. Yeah. I'll forget like over the weekend. I'll be like, ah, like several times. (laughs) So good luck to you today. My brain went out for cigarettes this morning and didn't come back. So, oh yeah. I I go to acupuncture and they're supposed to wear like loose clothing so that you can roll up your sleeves and your pant legs and stuff. And all I own are skinny jeans and leather pants. So I finally, finally went out and I bought a pair of yoga pants to wear to acupuncture. So I was getting ready to go this morning and I was like leaving. I was like, bye, I'm going to yoga. My boyfriend's like, what? Wait, I was like, what? I'm going to yoga. He's like, one more time. I was like, oh, I'm going to acupuncture. <laughs> like, my brain is just not working today. Oh, I had one of those moments with Bob one day earlier this week where it was the same thing. Like I was looking at him and answering a question, but I was repeating what was happening on the TV. (laughs) I'm like, well, they're putting in the roof. And he was like, the what? And we were talking about how we're having some repairs done to our bathroom. And he was like, the roof, they're doing the roof. And he's like, the bathroom? I was like, yeah, yes, that, that other part of our house. Uh, So if you listeners are feeling a little scattered if you need to gather yourself uh we're all scattered with you and so i guess our best choice is to gather each other so that's what we're gonna do and talk about books we're gonna talk about books kick us off lib my first book is called the animators by kayla ray whitaker and i think this is going to be one of my favorite books of the year i loved this book so much it's a really powerful novel about art and friendship it's so fantastic I love an art school novel. There are a few of the titles of which are escaping me now, of course. One from Unnamed Press that I think I talked about last year. Um, This is about Sharon and Mel. They're uh, teenagers when they meet in art school. Sharon is kind of shy. Uh, She's from Kentucky. She doesn't have any friends, and she's not very close with her family, and she feels like kind of an outsider at the school. And Mel is a wild child. She is hell on wheels. Uh, She's from Florida. Uh, Her mother is in prison She's just absolutely wild, and she's also absolutely, incredibly talented. And they meet and become best friends. And then the novel jumps ten to ten years later, and they are partners. They have made an animated movie about Mel's life, about like growing up in Florida and her mother going to jail. And it is doing phenomenally well. They're winning awards, they're getting grants, and they're getting everything that they dreamed of, except Mel has some serious issues with substance abuse. She has some drinking and drugging problems, and it's kind of 
holding them back and ruining things. She kind of is a loose cannon on a panel and she screws up interviews and it's not going so well and they're not getting along. But then something horrible happens and it brings them closer together and they end up in Florida and decide to start working on a new film Um, and they're going to use Sharon's memories this time. Sharon starts remembering these things that happened when she was living in Kentucky, Um, some very serious issues and they decide to make a film about it. And it's just this incredible, incredible story of friendship. It felt so real. The characters were so real to me. Like, they seemed like people that I knew. Um, and they reminded me of people that I knew. I mean, I do know people like them. And I, I just love that. And the descriptions of childhood trauma, you know, it's very upsetting. But it's never, like, melodramatic. And there's never... You know, you don't, like, go, oh, when we, like, feel so sorry about everything. They don't feel sorry for themselves. It's handled really responsibly and really well done. I just absolutely loved it. It's called The Animators by Kayla Ray Whitaker. Uh, Speaking of books that remind you of yourself or people you know, my first pick this week is It's All Absolutely Fine. Life is Complicated, So I've Drawn It Instead by Ruby Elliott. If you have been trying to fill the hole in your heart left by a hyperbole and a half, this is what you want to read. And like, especially right now, I need to feel validation that like everyone feels a little bit crazy. Um, So this has been perfect. Uh, These are illustrations, like some of them are sort of um, storied comics, some are one-off illustrations about uh, like everyday life frustrations, but also about Ruby's experiences with mental illness, with depression and anxiety. Um, I randomly opened it to a page that has uh, the caption, the soundtrack to my life. And the picture has her scowling and saying swearing at inanimate objects as they fall off stuff and the sound of soup exploding in the microwave (laughs) and like I've I've been there Um, another one is she's like out with a group of friends and everybody seems to be having a good time but she's having a bunch of anxious thoughts and she doesn't know why she can't just calm down and enjoy them um, like everyone else which of course puts her in a loop of like even enjoying the thing even less because now she's thinking about it over and over Um, she writes about having bipolar disorder um, about you know some of the things that it isn't and some of the things that it is like it's not a zany quirk it won't give you superpowers um, what good days and bad days look like and in that same way that um, hyperbole and a half was just so you know, straightforward about both very common everyday struggles that everybody has and also things that are specific uh, to people who experience mental illness. It's just like she just kind of lays it all out there. There's no shame. It's very validating. It's very funny. Um, and you can flip through it or devour the whole thing at once. Like it was the laugh that I needed in my week and I'm probably going to keep it on my desk and look at random parts of it forever just to make me feel better about things. Um, So again, it's called It's All Absolutely Fine by Ruby Elliott. Fantastic. Yes, very good. It also reminded me of, um, oh my goodness, see, I told you my brain left today. (laughs) Uh, Sarah Anderson. Oh yeah. What is her comic called? Uh, adulthood she was, is not a myth is the book yes. that I read. Yeah. Sarah Scribbles. She was at, Sarah Scribbles, yeah. She was at Book Riot Live and she was so great. Yeah, it reminded me a bit of that too. She's great. This um, little subgenre is pretty cool. I'm yeah. glad that it exists. Yeah, it's awesome. Speaking of awesome, let me tell you okay. about our first sponsor. 
It Dear is Carvel out from Flatiron Books. It is Stephanie Garber's sweeping tale of two sisters, Scarlet and Tella, who escape their ruthless father when they enter the dangerous intrigue of a legendary game. It is. It first of all, let's talk about the cover. The cover is amazing, and I just saw a finished copy on the internet today. Someone made a little a little video of it, and it's so sparkly and pretty. It is really beautiful. Oh, it's so absolutely gorgeous. But I have read this book. It's really fun. It's these two sisters, and their father is a very bad man. And it's, it's sort of like this futuristic world. It reminded me a little bit of the Grace Keepers. They're, like, on an island, and there's this magical sort of game that... Everyone knows about, and every year it visits a different island, and there, and Scarlet is writing letters to the leader of of this game, uh, trying to get him to bring the magic to their island. Uh, but instead, they escape the island and go to see it themselves. Uh, it's it's so much fun, um, really cool, and I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's the other words I want? I don't know, but if you haven't read it. Or if, if you will read it, you've probably heard about it. Um, again, it's it's Carvel from Flatiron Books, and we thank them for sponsoring this show. Do you want me to rescue you? Yes, please. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll put our things down, flip it, and reverse it. I'll take a turn now. Mm. And just as a uh, disclaimer, Liberty did not actually go out for cigarettes this morning. That was a joke. Uh, so my so, brain did, yeah. Yeah. I just want to save you from any cranky emails or anyone concerned about your health. Uh, yeah, however, you're all welcome to send her emails about how she should drink less Red Bull. <laughs> I really, really should. Um, my next pick this week is a paperback release that like, it's one of those books I intended to read all year last year and just never got to. You talked about it on the show, but it's been long enough. So we're going to bring it back. It's We Love You, Charlie Freeman by Caitlin Greenidge. Um, and I'm on like a little mini kick right now since last week I talked about Perfect Little World and families signing up to be parts of experiments. I didn't remember anything about this book except that everybody loved it. So when I started reading it, I was like, oh, this is kind of a nice thing to read on the tail of Perfect Little uh, World. It's about the Freeman family, uh, the mom, the dad, and their two daughters. Um, Charlotte is a teenager. She's one of the narrators of the story. And they are leaving their home to move into a research institute where they're going to live in an apartment on campus with a young chimpanzee named Charlie. Uh, he was abandoned by his mother. And the researchers want to know if Charlie can basically be incorporated into a human family. Um, the Freemans were selected because they know sign language and they're supposed to teach it to Charlie and, you know, treat him as a member of the family. Everybody in the family knows sign language. So they're supposed to like incorporate him into their group, teach him sign language. He already knows a little bit and basically try to overcome all the negative stuff that Charlie has learned in his life because everyone that he's grown close to has been a researcher and the researchers turn over frequently or he feels betrayed by them. Like no matter how good poor Charlie is to the people that are asking things of him. He can't get any love in return because he's just been a research subject. So they're going to put him in the context of a family. Uh, the story is narrated by Charlotte, who's a teenager, but then there are chapters that flash back to their mother's childhood that explain to us kind of how she became a person who was interested in doing this kind of experiment in her adult life. Um, she is hearing, but she learns sign language as a kid because she grows up as the, like the only black kid in a 100 mile radius in Maine. Um, and 
finds a community among black deaf people, learns to sign, and that carries her into their life. There are also these kind of break-in chapters that show back in the 1920s how this research institute got founded, um, and we begin to understand kind of the uh, less-than-above-board motivations uh, of the people doing research there. Just on the surface level of this being a story about a family in a really unusual situation, it works really well, but it also functions uh, the, the struggles that the family have to communicate with Charlie also function as sort of a comment and a kind of allegory for the language or the lack of language that we have in this country for talking about race. Um, and it's really elegantly executed. Um, it's there and you can see it. Um, but like she has a very light touch. It's the exact right touch, I think, um, for how you use a story to look at a larger issue. I was really impressed. Um, I'm glad I finally got around to it. And it's out in paperback, so you can get around to it this week, too. It's We Love You, Charlie Freeman by Caitlin Greenidge. I really loved that book. So good. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, All right, lady. Let me tell you about my next pick. Please do. It's Behind Her Eyes by Sarah Pinborough. And I'm sure that you've probably heard about this book because everyone is talking about the ending. It's all anyone can speak of. It's going to be this year's Gone Girl because because of the ending. But first, before we talk about the ending, let's talk about the beginning. It's a thriller. It starts with a woman named Louise. She's a single mom. She works as a secretary for a psychiatrist practice. And in one of her rare Friday nights out, she meets this man. She hits it off with him immediately. He's pretty much the man of her dreams. There's some kissing at the end of the night. She's she's hopeful. She's all a flutter. She goes to work on Monday, and he's there. He's there, and he is her new boss. And he's married. So, oh. boom, right away. So they're like, you know, they have a little talk. They're like, that was, you know, great, but, like, embarrassing, and oh, my goodness, and let's not let this happen again, and we can totally work together. It'll be fine, because, you know, that always works out, you know. Oh, we'll just, you know, pretend that we're friends, and it's fine. Um... So that happened, and then a few days later, she runs into his wife, Adele. Now, Adele and her husband, uh, Louise's boss, David, they have just moved to the area, so Adele is in need of a friend. She doesn't really know her way around. She's very lonely. So she decides, Louise decides that she'll befriend Adele, and they go start going out for coffee and talking, but she doesn't tell David that she's seeing his wife she kind of goes behind his back, and Adele likes having a secret friend, so she doesn't tell David that she and Louise are friends. And Louise realizes that the more time she spends with Adele, the more she gets the sense that something is very wrong in David and Adele's marriage. She ha- like Adele has to check in all the time. She talks about the medication that David gives her. And Louise is really beginning to worry about what is going on in David and Adele's marriage. It's all very strange. It's all very suspenseful. And then we have this ending. Um, it's, it's, I don't think it's a bit of a spoiler to say you will never figure out what this ending is. Like, you, you just can't. Like, you cannot imagine what it is. Um, I was reading it. Two of my other friends were reading it. We all discussed it after. We had several theories. Like, we each had, like, three theor- theories, and they, you know, crossed over. Not even close. Like, we all were like, it's going to be this or this and this. Like, you just, you will not guess the ending of this book. Um, it's it's worth reading for the ending because it is so bananas. You do not see it coming. You will, you could not in a million years guess what it is. So the book is called Behind Her Eyes by Sarah Pinborough. Ooh, that sounds good. Uh, my next pick is 
one that's been out for a while, but I finally got around to Hidden Figures by Margot Lee Shetterly. Uh, if you have not been living under a rock, you've been seeing Hidden Figures everywhere because it's out in theaters right now. And the book is in paperback. Uh, it is the, the subtitle is The American Dream and the Untold Story of the Black Women Mathematicians Who Helped Win the Space Race. Um, so what I knew going into this book was that it was about three black women who were mathematicians at NASA and helped us get men into space and eventually land on the moon. What I didn't know until I started reading it was that actually somewhere between 500 and 1,000 black women worked for NASA in the 50s and 60s, uh, and that just like no one had told any of their stories before. Um, Margot Lee Shetterly focuses on these three in particular, but has done a, a, a great deal of extensive research um, into what was happening at the time. And really interesting to me is that a lot of this takes place in Hampton, Virginia, which is only about an hour and a half from where I live in Richmond. And I was like, there's so, I mean, there is so much history in Virginia, but most of the time we hear about it as civil war history. Uh, but Hampton has a big military base. And then of course, Langley, where a lot of um, military and government operations are based is in Northern Virginia. So uh, the book takes place near where I live and there are communities of people that you can still like go talk to them about these experiences. So it begins, the book begins, if you've seen the movie, there's so much more in the book that you don't get because the movie focuses just on the 60s, just when um, these women have been working at NASA for a while um, as computers before mechanical computers existed. They were doing really complex math by hand. Um, and in the movie, they've been there for a while and they're trying to solve particular problems related to getting a man into space. But the book opens during World War II when uh, many workplaces were opened to women for the very first time because the men were all off fighting wars. And we get to see some of these women's childhoods, how they were math prodigies, how they got these very rare opportunities to advance in their education in Virginia, um, which remained a segregated state even after Brown versus the Board of Education um, ruled it illegal to do that. Uh, and how they eventually found themselves working for NASA. And that even though they were working in this, you know, very intellectual place where you have to ha be very qualified to do their job, they they were segregated there. They were all in a room together that was designated um, for the black computers. They had to use restrooms that were only for the black women. They had their own designated segregated lunch table. Um, and we see the aggressions, both big and small, that they dealt with and the racism on a, a large and a personal Personal, like very personal scale um, and the sexism. Some of them were not just the only black person, but the only woman in the rooms that they were working in. So sort of double uh, minority status to overcome and it's it, they're just really remarkable stories, these three women, and they allow you, as Margot Lee Shutterly tells their story over two decades, um, from starting to work there during uh, World War II and then up through the Cold War, through the Civil Rights Movement and into the space race, you really can imagine if this is what it was like for th these three women that Shutterly deeply researched, what was it like for the, under, the other 500 or the other 1,000? You can start to imagine what those lives might be like. It's such an incredible and important story. Um, it's also... So, and I'm going to just keep saying this about books on this show because we're, you know, what we read affects the way that we think about the world. It is such a powerful reminder of why it matters to open opportunities and equality to everyone and of the talent that we don't have when workplaces don't hire diversely, when colleges don't value diversity or don't create opportunities for people who haven't had them before because of their race or their class or their status. Um, you can watch this or you can read this book and 
and realize a very huge, like history changing things that either could not or likely would not have occurred without black women. Um, and we need that reminder. I think we need that reminder, especially right now. Um, it's a great read. It's a kind of, it's a friendly, like accessible sort of history and biography. Um, it's an easy book to read and it's such a pleasure. Um, and again, it's Hidden Figures by Margot Lee Shetterly. Do you want to tell us about our next sponsor? I do indeed. It is Wires and Nerve uh, by Marissa Meyer. This is her first graphic novel, and it extends the world of the Lunar Chronicles, which included, uh, I can never remember all of them. There's Cinder, there's um, Cress, Scarlet, Winter, and someone else. Uh, so it's a, a brand new story. It's action-packed. It's about Ego, the android with a heart of mechanized gold. When rogue packs of wolf hybrid soldiers threaten the tenuous peace alliance between Earth and Luna, Eco takes it upon herself to hunt down the soldier's leader. She's soon working with a handsome royal guard who forces her to question everything she knows about love, loyalty, and her own humanity. The book includes appearances by Cinder, Crest, Scarlet, Winter, and the rest of the Rampian crew, and it's a must-have for fans of Marissa Meyer's Lunar Chronicles series. Um, we're seeing this more and more, you know, popular stories getting extended with graphic novel adaptations. I think that's really cool. Um, you know, Marissa Meyer's certainly very popular and well-loved. And this book is gorgeous. I've had a chance to see some of the artwork. Um, so you can learn more about it at the link in our show notes, or you can find it wherever books are sold. Again, it's called Wires and Nerve by Marissa Meyer. Awesome. I have that mm -hmm. coming. I think I'm excited. Ooh, you'll have to report back. Yes. So my next pick is called A Brand New Catastrophe, a memoir by Mike Scalise. It's out from Saraband Books. It won an award from the Center for Fiction. It's a fantastic memoir, and it's about uh, how when Mike Scalise was 24, he woke up with a terrible headache and ended up in the hospital because a tumor in his brain had ruptured. Um, and it turned out that for several years he'd had a tumor growing on his pituitary gland, um, and it was causing him to, uh, it was, um, making more hormones than his body needed. Um, and so it sort of, the memoirs about how this occurrence introduced Mike to a whole new world. Like he's suddenly, you know, he's ill, he's a patient. Um, and then after his surgery, because of the damage that was caused, his body no longer made hormones. So it's, it's all these different changes that he had to go through. It was like a 2% chance that this would have happened to him. So like very, very small. Um, but Mike doesn't feel sorry for himself. He doesn't want other people to feel sorry for him. He is an entertainer. He's a natural storyteller. And he talks about how, you know, he loves to tell these stories about like what happened to him. Um, but he, he keeps working them. He works through them. He loves to, to make people laugh. Like when he's in the hospital... He's just telling jokes the whole time. They're like, this is very serious and we have to, you know, go into your head and take out this thing. And he's just making all these jokes and he he just wants everybody to laugh and to like listen to his stories and think he's a cool guy and the entertainer. Um, and it's also a memoir about his relationship with his mother. His mother feels sorry for him, but she also feels sorry for herself because up until now, she's kind of been the sickest one in the family. His mother has a chronic heart condition. She's had two operations um, where they open, like, the valve. When the valve is blocked, they put in the ring to, like, keep your valve open uh, to your heart. And so she's always been, like, the one who gets all the attention, you know, and knows everything about, you know, medical problems. And when people say, oh, I had this thing happen, and she's like, well, you won't believe what happened to me. 
Um, she's just this larger-than-life character. She's a drinker. She's a smoker, even though she's had two heart operations. Um, she still does all those things. And they kind of have this competition between them, like, who is the sickest person, you know, because he's got a brain tumor and she's got chronic heart condition. Um, but as serious as those things are, as serious as those things sound, it's just an extremely funny memoir. He is very funny, and, and he does exactly what he sets out to do. He's, he entertains us. Um, and it's really about, like, how we choose what stories of our lives define us. It's excellent. It's called A Brand New Catastrophe by Mike Scalise. My final pick this week is a book that I've had my eye on for a while and I'm hoping to finally get into over my trip next week. It's called Unspeakable Things, Sex, Lies, and Revolution by Lori Penny. Uh, it came out in 2014 and it is a look at modern feminism and class politics. Um, she talks about her own work in journalism, in activism, and in underground culture. And it's supposed to be very sort of far ranging looking at poverty and prejudice, but also at online dating and eating disorders, at lies on television, uh, which seems particularly relevant right now, and looking at sort of this new brand of feminism that uh, looks not just at what white women need, which is how a lot of feminism has been founded, but looking at justice and equality and essentially intersectionality. Um, I've heard really good and interesting things about it from some other feminist readers. Um, it's been on my list for a while, so I'm excited to finally be picking that up. If you want to pick it up too, again, it's called Unspeakable Things by Lori Penny. She's awesome. Oh, I'm so excited. I, she just had a new book out, I think. She has and she's coming like, out. she's so young. She's yeah. like, I think, barely 30. Um, and so she's interesting and accomplished and just really, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. My last pick is also what I'm going to be reading next. So I thought I would just like extend it a little bit and tell you a little bit about this yeah. book. Um, it's The Legend of Pradeep Matthew from Sheha and Karuna Talaka. And it won the Commonwealth Prize in 2012. I think that's like a $50,000 prize. Um, not too shabby for a debut novel. And Grey Wolf published it here in the States in 2012. Um, and that is when I also purchased the book. And it is now 2017, and I have still not read it. Um, I have books much older than that that I still have not read. But I haven't read this because I feel too intimidated, but also too excited to read it. The book is about cricket. I know nothing about cricket except that it's a sport. Um, I'm hoping. Please, you know, write and correct me if that's not true. <laughs> it totally is. It's, it's a, a sport. sport. Um, and so that kind of intimidates me because I'm like, I don't know anything about cricket. There's like bowling involved, I think. I can, I can comfort you. I have read this book. Oh, excellent. <laughs> the rare book I have read that you haven't that's read. That's so fantastic. Well, see, I am so excited to read it. Like, and you know, like when you get something and you're almost too excited, you can't read it because you're so excited. Because The Guardian says this book could be the best thing to happen to your life. Like, no pressure, right? <laughs> so that's exciting. And also, it's like, I know that it's going to be one of those books that is going to expand my world. And I'm going to be so happy to have read this that I'm just, like, too excited to read it. Um, it's so good. Yeah. So yeah, years ago, like many years ago on the Book Rages podcast, we used to do, I think it was quarterly, like a quarterly book club where Josh and Jen and I would all read the same thing and talk about it with each other. And one of them picked this and I was like, how am I going to read a 500 page book about cricket? Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's so readable and they explained like the basics of cricket that you need to know, but it doesn't get into the minutia and the, the story like clips along. I tore through it. It's so good. Uh, and 
reading a book about sports is the first task on the 2017 Read Harder Challenge. Yes, that was also something I was going to mention. But Jen is, I think Jen is the person who told me to read this. Like, that Mm. is why I bought it. That makes sense. But I was watching a YouTube interview with the author earlier today, and he calls it a mystery instead of a sports book. He says it's about a drunken old sports writer his health is failing, and so his last mission is to find the missing cricket. I almost said cricketeer, like it's some sort of Mickey Mouse show. <laughs> <laughs> the missing cricketer, Pradeep Matthew. And along the way, he meets a cast of crazy characters and discovers unsettling truths about the sport and about Sri Lanka and about himself. Um, the, oh, yeah, I just remember the other reason I have read it is because the font is so small. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I opened this book, I was like, seriously? So. It's so it's so good. And I mean, the author obviously is right. Like there is a mystery at the heart of it. And that does like plug it along. But the characters are just interesting and weird in the best possible way. I think you're really going to love it. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do instead of recording the podcast on Monday now that we've got this out of the way. So yeah, just read a 500 page book in like an hour and a half yeah. as one does. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so what are you going to read next? I have a stack ready for my ski trip, but um, I'm going to continue on my path of picking up books that I missed last year. So I'm going to read Infomocracy by Malka Older. Um, And it's one of those that like I knew I wanted to read and that everyone says is wonderful. So I have actively worked to not know very much about it. Um, So I don't really know what it's about other than being like speculative fiction that has to do with government and technology and who has the control of information. And that's all I want to know until I dive into it. But I'm really looking forward to finally reading something that so many people have loved. I I only just found out that she's DJ older sister. Oh, yeah. That family is wicked talented. It's just like not right. (laughs) Yeah. And also, um, I follow their mom on Twitter, and she's the cutest, <gasps> and just, like, just talks about them all the time. It's so cute. Yeah. It's That's the exactly, best. I didn't know she was on Twitter. Yeah, it's exactly what you think a mom, like, would be like. It's really cute. Uh, That's great. Well, so that's our show this week. Thank you again to our sponsors, Caraval and Wires and Nerve. We'll have links to both of them in the show notes. So you can find them wherever books are sold. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you want to give us a little tip to help us, you know, it's still January as we're recording this. So I'm going to say continue to start our new year on the right foot. Uh, You can leave us a rating or review on iTunes. doesn't take too long, and it helps us to find our way to other new listeners. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy happy reading. reading!